Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. If you're taking notes this morning, and I've titled this message, From This Day Forward. From This Day Forward. And Stuart Hamilton, I'm sorry, buddy, the joke's on you, because I learned my lesson and I've corrected my artwork. Part three of Mind the Gap, From This Day Forward. And um, I want to start somewhere this morning that um, I hope you enjoy. It's a little bit awkward for me watching. I thought this was a great idea, but I've got a little video for you. Anyone want to watch a little video this morning? It's better than my, my northern English accent. So if you turn your eyes to the screen, I've got a little video. It will make sense, I hope. And uh, it's got some kind of link to today's message. So let's roll the VT, Stella. Woo! That is video from July 2016 in Princess Gardens, Edinburgh, on the sunniest day possible. Prime time, hundreds of people. I thought I could find a quiet spot. Um, but no, me proposing to now my wife, the gorgeous, beautiful one that was on stage this morning leading us. She's my better half by a long shot. My better half by a long way. It's not even close. And, but the thing is, I show that video this morning for a reason. Because you see, when I get down on one knee and ask Victoria, Tori, will you marry me? There's, there's a question under the question that we need to just kind of get back to. Hit a master reset button. And the question I am asking Victoria is, can I lay my life down for you? When we propose as gentlemen, we're asking by what the Bible says, can I lay my life down for you? See, because Paul says to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do? He laid his life down for the church. And the reason why I set that context is because when Jesus was teaching on this subject, he hit kind of a reset button and we see him teaching on this in Mark 10 and Matthew 19 and there's different kind of pieces that we're going to pull together. You see, what Jesus does is he, he goes before the law was given. He goes right back to Genesis he goes right back and he says to them, what was the original, God's original intention and plan for marriage? For man and woman to come together. And, and he takes them back because we know after Genesis 3, after the fall, that sin entered in. And then Romans goes on to say that we are born sinful. Because of the first sin, we are now born sinful and in need of a saviour. And so when we, ha we look at marriage, it is two imperfect, broken, sinful people coming together. But the thing that's so important is obviously that we put God and Christ front and center of our marriages. And that because of grace, we can come together. But Jesus goes right back. You see, when something is broken, when something isn't working, the key is to go back. It's not just in marriage in church, in relationships, in life. What's the key when we come to the scripture is to go back to what God's original intention was. What is God's word? What is God's original foundation for the topic? 
and here this morning, what was God's original intention for marriage? That's where Jesus takes us in this teaching first and foremost. It wasn't his, his 12 steps to go through whether your divorce is legal or, or biblical. It wasn't a, a tick sheet that the church could then use and go, is this divorce allowed or not? And that's not what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was saying, hang on a second. Let's go back to God's original intention for marriage. You see, there's a lot of context that we need to try and go through as quickly as we can this morning without rushing on this subject. In Deuteronomy 24, Moses first gives a law for divorce, and that, that we see Jesus reference that in his teaching. But you see, the thing is, the law on divorce didn't come in to, as a command. No, no it came in as, as a permission because of Romans says, sorry, Mark says, hard-heartedness. You see, what was going on is, is Jewish men, because of the teaching in Genesis, almost believed that if you were single, that was a sin. They almost believed you had to get married to come under God's covenant. And that wasn't what Genesis was saying. So the context of the time was that men were kind of, had a high expectation of marriage, what they would get, and a low value of women. And so what was happening was this, this kind of very liberal thing going on where men were just kind of seeing what they could get rather than what they could give. And, and so Jesus is referencing this teaching in Deuteronomy. And we, and we wind forward thousands of years when Jesus is teaching. There's two rabbis by the name of Hillel and Shammai. And the two rabbis had different interpretations of Deuteronomy 24. One of them said this, if your wife burns the toast, divorce her. No, seriously, like if she messes up the meal, if she does not please you, get rid, move on. The other, other side of the coin was you cannot divorce, you are not liberated to divorce your wife except for sexual immorality. Two teachings of the time. Which one do you think the Pharisees and the people of the time adhered to or would like to follow? Let's just be really, let's just be real human beings right now. Which one do you think appealed to their sensual, me, myself, and I nature? Let's be real about this this morning. We live in an upgrade society, don't we? If it's broken, throw it out, let's buy something else. If it's not working, let's not work through it, let's move on. Not just in marriages, in lots of areas of life. And Jesus is saying, hang on. Here's, here's my interpretation of the scripture. Here's what I'm saying. There's an underlying or overlying tone here. And, and Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, stop using legal cover to mask moral failure. You see, the Pharisees... We're playing the, oh, we're right by the law because of Deuteronomy. If I divorce, I've given her a, a bill of divorce. I'm righteous. I've followed the law. I'm righteous. Not everything moral is right. Not everything legal is moral. It's not illegal to have sex before marriage. It's not illegal to go and get drunk. It's not illegal to swear. It's not illegal to say lies in some contexts. Doesn't make it moral. And we need to take our foundation in life and our alignment to the word of God and not what society is saying. We need to take what the Bible says about marriage and not what the world offers. We need to follow the word of Jesus in our lives and not what society is saying. 
And so Jesus, as he has done in this Matthew 5, he asks them a question. He goes back with a question. He asks them what they think. Jesus wasn't majoring on divorce. Jesus wanted to major on God's original intention in marriage. And, and this morning, I don't know your story. I don't know all the situations in the room. And by no means in the next 90 minutes and 44 seconds can I cover all of those. I can't speak into every situation this morning. And what I would say is there's this, there's this passage of Scripture where this is referenced in Mark. And there's this little line and it says, when they've gone inside, the disciples asked a further question. I think that's beautiful because it points to taking difficult situations into pastoral, safe environments and working through things with the grace of God. We have an amazing leadership and pastors here that would love to walk through any situation biblically with you wherever you're at this morning. Whether you're single this morning, married of 50 years, or on the other side of a divorce this morning, we can look at the scripture and you see the Bible talks about this relationship between the church and Christ as a marriage, that we are the bride and that he will return. And so even if you're single this morning, we can look at this scripture and we can look at our relationship with God and we can look at the price he paid for us and we can ask ourselves, is how am I living the way that Jesus called me to? And, and we're not going to use this this morning to condemn or analyze or assess whether your divorce was right by the eyes of God or not. We're not going to do that. This isn't the place to do that. But we are going to look at what it says and we're going to try and just maybe my heart and my hope is just if there's one marriage in here that's maybe not doing great and just this is the little bit of hope, a little bit of faith, a little bit of something that says we can go again, then, then that's my heart this morning. I'm passionate that the church keeps endorsing and keeps talking about marriage in a joyful in a, in a way that doesn't sugarcoat it, but in a way that says it is God's best. This is still plan A. And if you've been married 50, 40, whatever it is, years, please keep going because as a young man married, I look and I see that and that is inspiring. What can you pass on to the next generation? What can you pass on? And if you're single and waiting for that day, and whether your parents went through a divorce or you've experienced the pain, let God, who is rich in mercy and grace, renew something in you this morning that gets excited about marriage because it is incredible. It is God's best. And when Christ is at the center of it, you can work through the difficult things that you have to navigate. I've got a few things that I think we can write down this morning. And as I've said, I don't think this is the be-all and end-all. But I hope and I pray that this helps you this morning. Number one is this, we need more favor of God in our marriage and not more fear of divorce. We need more favor of God in our marriages and not more fear of divorce. You see, I think, sadly, and I can speak from this a little bit from a personal experience, the church has taken this passage of scripture and tried to preach kind of the fear of divorce. Don't go near it. Just, just avoid it. If we can just, just avoid it and stay away. Just stay away. Let's, just, let's fear them into not getting divorced. And that's not what the Bible's teaching. Now, the, the Bible teaches on how can you follow God's intention for your marriage? How can we teach our next generation? How can we teach and help our marriages to grow in Christ with God at the center, not just, just fear divorce? 
Let's just increase the fear of divorce and that way we won't have divorces. That doesn't, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can drive out darkness. You see, the life as a Christian is about running. Not rounding like a headless chicken, avoiding sin. No, it's running away from sin, but it's running towards righteousness. It's running away from our old self and towards that who Christ calls us to. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. A little bit of context for the scripture that we don't always maybe talk about. We love to write that on our wristbands in sports teams. I did that. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love to talk about that with job interviews or situations, and that's okay. It's not completely out of context, but the main context was there is I can live a holy life because I am doing it in Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Our marriage can get through this because it's in Christ. We can work through this difficult situation in Christ. We need more favor of God, more grace in our marriages, more love. Love is the answer, not more hate, not more fear of divorce. Love is the key. Malachi speaks and says that God hates divorce. Why does he say that? Because it's not what God's original tension is. What God brought together, let no man separate, the Bible says. That's what Jesus taught. Jesus wanted to shift the paradigm of the thinking of the people listening. Stop looking to whether you can justify your divorce and start looking to honor God in your marriage. Number two, scoreboards need to go because your sin has been settled. Scoreboard needs to go because your sin has been settled. Throughout Matthew 5, Jesus talks about the sin of the heart and not just the action. He talks about what's going on in the inside and not just the action. See, the Pharisees wanted to look at marriage and divorce about scorekeeping. And whether they'd almost accumulated enough justice, enough, enough of a case to divorce their wife, to, to get away from it. And the context of the time was this, that, that men would use a marriage to get what they wanted. They'd get bored and then move on. And you see, the thing is, by not having the law of divorce, the woman was then enslaved and not free. So Moses brought in this concession, not as a command, to bring freedom for the woman. Because what was happening was the woman was caught in bondage and chains and could not go and live her life because the man had just kind of abandoned and done what he wanted. So Moses brought about this law because of their hard-heartedness and their abuse of the freedom. Just like the people of Israel did time and time and time again. And so they wanted to keep score. And they wanted to turn it into what they've done and what I've done. And we do that, don't we, in our relationships, not just marriages. Well, well, I did that for them. I got them that present. I sent them that message and they, they didn't do that back. And, and then they did that. I did the washing up this time. That never happens. That's not my job. In <laughs> Just an honest. I don't think I've ever seen a sponge in hot water for a while. I do the cooking. But we do, don't we? We keep score when we're tired. When we've had a busy day at work and we get in, we, we almost do this kind of, we keep a score of what have I done? What have I got and what have I brung? Rather than just what can I do to serve my wife or husband? What can I do to live a life that honors Christ? See, divorce happens because of sin, right? Sin happens because we are broken. Sin is when we do something 
that abandons God and says, I want to be God for a minute. I want control from it. That's what happened in Genesis 3, right? Every sin almost can be boiled down to this. I'll be God for a second. I'll do it my way for a second. But the thing is, what we need to realize is all sin is first and foremost against God and second, our spouse. I don't mean that to, to start creating, but what happens is when a relationship breaks down, for whatever reason, difficult situations, we start to look at sin in light of what is this going to do against them rather than what does this sin do against God. And see, when you're in a time of difficulty, you need to get back to realizing when you sin, it is first and foremost against God. Sin, who is the most offended party in sin, is God, first and foremost. Does sin have collateral damage? Absolutely. Does sin have collateral damage in our marriages and with our children? Absolutely. And divorce comes in. And as I say, I'm not here to say whether to, to teach about what's biblical divorce. And I'm not going to get into that from here this morning. And, and you know, sometimes divorce can be a way of almost protection where there's been abuse or there's been abandonment, there's been sin against you. And we have to let God and the Holy Spirit working through bring about healing. But when we keep a scoreboard, when we, we talk and think in terms of a scoreboard about, well, I did that and they did that. So that's not as bad as what they did. We need to just, just hit the reset button and realize that Jesus settled all our sin. Jesus settled every last bit of it. Sin of yesterday, sin today, and sin of tomorrow. And if your relationship is under tension right now, and you're going through a difficult season, don't use that pain as a justification for sin. Don't use that situation to justify unrighteous, reckless living. Not just in marriage situations in life. Just because you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean we can then justify our sin and live a reckless life. But when we get rid of the scoreboard, we stop looking at self and we start looking outwards in our relationships with each other and in our marriages, it levels the playing field. It levels the playing field and it lets God and the Holy Spirit come in and start to build again. Remember the prize paid for you. That humble position where we start between us and Christ this morning. We start and remember the prize paid for you. Number three. And the guys can jump back up. I'm nearly done. He is the way maker no matter how far. He is the way maker no matter how far. Remember this book is all one love story. Remember this book, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, is about God redeeming and reconciling his relationship with the pinnacle of his creation, man. It's about him restoring his relationship with you and I through the cross, through the work of Christ. And Jesus said in this teaching in Matthew, he said, what God has brought together, let no man separate. What Jesus was obviously teaching was when, what, what we believe is a marriage is when two become one in front of the, in God, in the eyes of God, a covenant relationship. Let no man separate that. That is a special thing a sacred thing that we should honor, that we should fight for, that we should encourage, that we should still continue to encourage and teach because that's what the Bible teaches for my marriage. But you see, the thing is as well, though, is 
when we read this scripture, remember, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. He hasn't gone and finished and complete the work he said he would. So when he said, let no man separate what God has brought together, he was pointing to the fact that he would go and complete the work and settle your sin, that no man would separate us from, nothing can separate us from the love of God, Ryman says. That when we turn and repent, and we believe through faith that Jesus paid the price for you and I. No man can separate that. And then in our marriages, I ask you the question with as much grace and sensitivity as I can, is there a way forward? Is it too far gone for God to come and do something? The impossible is God's specialty. Is there something process that you can, can you go again this morning for the sake of generations to come, for the sake of this city and nation. Song of Solomon talks about how, how love, authentic love burns like a fire that people see. When the world looks into the church, when the world looks in and sees love, not just in marriage, but with each other, it burns like a fire. It points to a God and a savior who is perfect, who is love. Divorce is not a means to an end. It doesn't solve the problem. Nobody wins in a divorce. And we, I know we know that. It's, it's such a painful thing to look at and talk about. It wasn't God's original intention. And when we look at this teaching on Scripture, we've got to get back from this day forward. Let God do a miraculous work. Is there a way this morning that that relationship can be reconciled? Is there a miracle that can take place that testifies to the glory of God? Are we humble enough to come before God and, and ask Him that? You know, when we talk about divorce and when we open the Bible, we also need to let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. We need to let the Holy Spirit guide in each and every situation and story through obviously careful pastoral journeys. But if you are divorced this morning and you're like, well, okay, what, what do you mean there's a way? How do, you, how do you tell that story to the next generation? How do you tell that story to the world? And what I mean by this is if you let God deeper, do a deep forgiveness okay, maybe it wasn't an ideal situation. It wasn't God's best, but you know, from this day forward, it can still bring light into a situation. It can still bring about good. It can still point to Jesus. It can still point to a savior. It still points to a way maker, one who can take the impossible and turn it into possible. The one where there seems there's no way forward and he can make a way through his work of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is the fruit of freedom. It brings freedom releases you. It doesn't justify maybe what happened. It doesn't justify someone else's sin. No, it releases you to live in freedom and not carry what isn't yours. But bitterness has a seed that keeps on sowing. And it keeps on sowing in bondage. And, and do we believe in a God who did the impossible, who beat death itself to make a way for you? Do we believe that he can do a deep work in us? Do we believe he can bring about that forgiveness that's needed in relationships? There's a story in the Bible and it brings me to tears every time I read it and look at it. 
And if you've been in church for any kind of time, you'll know, know the story. It's found in the book of Hosea. And Hosea is a prophet. Hosea is a known man in the land of Israel. And God speaks to Hosea one day and he says, I want you to go and pursue that woman. That woman who's a, that woman who's a harlot, I want you to go and pursue her. And he's like, you for real? You for real? God says, go. And so Hosea in his obedience, he does and he goes and pursues this woman. She's called Goma. And he, and he marries Goma. And he buys her and he, and he, and he, he brings her out and he, and he marries her. And they have three children, the Bible says. And the Bible tells it almost sets the scene that the marriage is going well. Things are going well. They've got three children. And maybe a little bit of speculation this morning, but maybe finances started to get a little bit tight. Maybe the, the balance of parenting your children and working on your marriage was becoming too much. And, and what happens is that Gomar then starts to think about her old way of life. She starts to think of the, the temporary pleasures or the temporary money that her old life brought. And she goes back and, and one day Hosea he comes home after a long day at work and he walks in and he can smell the perfume and he thinks he's got ready for me. And he gets in and he smells the perfume and he walks in and Gomar's nowhere to be seen. And you see this story we can, we can see about a marriage, but also this story points about our relationship between us and God. How many times have we got ready for someone else or something else other than God? How many times have we gone out, pursued something not of God and God's saying, where are you? And Gomar, she comes back and, and Jose knows what's going on and he perseveres. But then it says that, that, that Goma disappeared. And there's Hosea left, three children, broken. And he's like, God, you, you told me to go. I went and I did what you said. And look, look at what is in front of me. And there's this scripture in Hosea. And we can take this scripture this morning. And if nothing else, it says, go again. Go again. The Lord speaks to so is Hosea and he says, go again. Is there something in life that might seem dead right now that might not seem a way through? And God's saying, go again through the power of my Holy Spirit, through what I'm going to do. Can you go again? And he goes and he finds Gomar returned in her old way of life. I would love to know what that looks like for a man of God to walk into this situation where she's in the sex trade now. I'd love to know what that looks like for a man of God, a prophet of the time that was known in Israel to go after and pursue Gomar. And he does and he pursues her and he doesn't just only say, hey, that's mine. She's my wife. He has to actually buy her back. He actually has to pay a price again for her. Psalm 24 says this, all of, the, all of the earth and the fullness of it is the Lord's thereof and all who dwell in it therein. All of this, me, you, we got, God created us. And he says, buy her back and he does. And he buys her back and he takes her home. And he says, hey, you be my wife, stay faithful to me now. The old is gone, 
From this day forward, Gomar. From this day forward, let's go again. Let's go again. And it's not pretty to look at this story and realise that we are Gomar and that God is Hosea and that He sent His Son and He walked into metaphorically the sex trade where we are committing adultery against God. He walked straight into that mess and He hangs on a cross for you and me, naked. And He buys back what is already His so He could have relationship with you and I again. He is the way maker. He is the way maker from this day forward, church, from this day forward. I don't know where you're at with your relationship with God this morning, but maybe this morning is just the time where you hit the reset and you go from this day forward, I'm going to walk in your ways, God. I've strayed. I've gone and done it my way. I'm coming back to your intention. I'm coming back to your plan for my life because his plan is far greater than anything you could dream, hope or imagine. He wants to take the brokenness, the pieces and all our stories in this room and He wants to bring it back together to tell the story of love and hope and peace and righteousness and reconciliation and restoration. That all stories tell one story. That Christ died for you and me on that cross. How can you bring Christ back into your marriages? How do you get Christ front and centre? not going to get into the practicals of what you can do and things but just get Christ front and center from this day forward we're going to hit the reset we're going to go again whatever might seem lost this morning I tell you we believe in a God of the impossible who wants to make a way who wants to point all glory to God Hosea and Gomar is the story of our relationship between God and his maker the work of Christ. Hey, stand to your feet this morning. Let's pray. From this day forward, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we get to gather as a family. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I pray this morning that first and foremost, we just realize the price paid for us. First and foremost, we realize that we were bought at a price. And let nothing separate us, God. And I pray this morning as we look at these difficult passages, Lord, the Holy Spirit, you would do a deep work this morning. Lord, I pray because of your word and your Holy Spirit, I pray that the impossible, what seems impossible right now, would be the possible through your word. Where there seems like there is no way, God, I pray you begin to make a way right now. You begin to restore and reconcile relationships, not just between a husband and a wife, but between brother, sister, sons and daughters. Lord, that we would stop keeping scoreboards with each other. Lord, we'd stop trying to seek revenge and settle the scoreboard and just realise that you settled it once and for all. God, I pray that as the world looks in at the church in a time when, when marriage has just been defaced and ruined, I pray the church would be the ones, we would be the ones that gets back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 where you talk about man and woman coming together and how beautiful it is. We would be the ones that get back, demonstrate and model that this morning. Not through our work, not in our strength, not by our work, but by your spirit, says the Lord. 
Jesus' name. Amen.